So something that I think is important that you know about me is that there's two foods I absolutely love. Uh, and I mean, that are like my Achilles heel. It, if you put them in front of me, I cannot resist. The first one I've talked about many times before is cake. I love cake. And I'm not like the cake, I'm the frosting guy. Like I love it and I cannot resist it. Like every time, all I want to, I love cake. I love cake so much that if you invite me to your wedding reception and you don't have cake at it, I leave. I don't need ice cream at wedding receptions. This is for cake time. And I, I love cake. The second food that I love, and I mean I love with all of myself, is a good steak. I love steak. I love it so much that every year we buy a cow. So I can have steak available whenever I want to have steak, and I eat a lot of steak. And I can eat it whenever I want. I grill a lot of it, and yet when I go to a restaurant, I still order steak because I love it so much. Now, why do I tell you this? I tell you this because I just want you to know that if you invite me and Christy to your house for dinner, these are the two foods that if you choose to serve me, she doesn't like steak, but I do. If you choose to serve me cake or steak, you'll be my favorite relevant person ever. That's it. That's the only, so welcome to week three of Extreme Ownership. So glad you're here. Hey, if this is your first time, just let me catch you up real quick on where we've been over the last few weeks. We talked about, according to the writers of Scripture, at the moment that we put our faith in Jesus by asking him to be the forgiver of our sins and leader of our lives, at that moment, we're forgiven for our violation of sin against Holy Creator God that keeps us separated from him in, in this life and the next. We enter into a saving relationship with Jesus, and we also become part of an amazing thing that Jesus established called the church. Over the last couple of weeks, we've discovered that the writers of Scripture refer to as the, the church, refer to the church as the body of Christ because Jesus established his church to be his hands and feet to carry on the mission that he came for, that he died for, that he rose from the grave for. Jesus established his church to usher in his love and joy and peace and salvation and forgiveness, redemption, healing, provision, justice, mercy, grace. His kingdom in such a way that people, families, schools, communities, lives, eternities, the world is transformed. Jesus established his church to be the physical embodiment of him in this world until he, until he physically returns. As followers of Christ, we together are the body of Christ. As followers of Christ, Jesus has called us to live as members of his body through the context of a local church. A, a we that function as the body of Christ together. A we that carries on his mission together in our local context. A we that embodies Jesus' presence together. A we that's being transformed together. A, re, a we that is part of transforming our community together. Like every other local church, relevant community church is the body of Christ. And for those of you who say that this is your church, you are a member of this local body of Christ. We talked about the last few weeks that some of us are shoulders, some of us are elbows, some of us are knees, some of us are feet. As 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 the as the as the body of Christ, Jesus has given us a huge mission together. He, Jesus has some God-sized visions for us. Jesus wants to do a transformative work in us and through us. Jesus wants us to experience the fullness of his presence and power. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the thing that makes most dying churches, the thing that most dying churches, churches that are on the downward trajectory, churches that are seemingly void of God's presence, and it's like God's not even moving anymore. The thing that most dying churches have in common is that they're living half paralyzed. Half of the body seems to be operating, and the other half is seemingly dead, seemingly paralyzed. And not only does that make the, a church die, that makes a church suck. We, 
Relevant community church together are the body of Christ. In order for us to see and experience all that God has for us going forward, we have to honestly answer the question, are we, Relevant Community Church, are we living as a half-paralyzed or fully functioning body of Christ? We have an amazing church. But like most churches, we have some work to do here. I, I believe in order to become a church that the church Jesus created us to be, to, to continue to progress toward being the type of church that we all desire to be a part of, to see Jesus' mission advance through us will require one thing from all of us. It will require everyone taking extreme ownership. And extreme ownership means taking full responsibility for everything that impacts us living as a fully functioning body of Christ. Everything that impacts our health, Jesus' mission through us, the visions God's laid in our heart, our unity, our effectiveness, God being glorified through us, people being reached for Jesus th uh, through us, people being transformed more, all of us being transformed more into who God's created us to be. After years of following Jesus, being a pastor and being a student, of the church, I've become convinced that it takes extreme ownership from everybody to live as the body of Christ. And because of that, throughout this series, I'm challenging all of us to, to take extreme ownership in five specific ways. For everyone who says that you're a part of relevant community church, man, you're a part of this body, you're a member of this body of Christ, I pray and I hope you accept these challenges because I believe if we all did, all of us, if we all choose to take extreme ownership in these five ways, we'd see God work powerfully in ways that we can't even begin to imagine. We'd see the visions that he's laid on our heart become a reality. We'd see, you know, God transform our lives and our friends' lives and our families' lives and our neighbors and our community in ways that we can't begin to comprehend. We'd experience the fullness of God's presence and power like never before. And that's the type of church we'd all love to be a part of. So two weeks ago, we kicked off the series, and I challenged all of us to take extreme ownership of operating as a fully functioning member of the body by serving on a team. Last week then, I challenged all of us to take extreme ownership of the financial health of our body by giving generously. And today, I am challenging all of us to take extreme ownership of growing in our relationship, those of you who have a relationship with Jesus, to grow in your relationship with Jesus. Now, here's the big idea of the day. Our body... Relevant Community Church needs everybody to take extreme ownership of growing in their relationship with Jesus in order for us to live as the body of Christ. For us to live as the body of Christ, to be a church that embodies Jesus' presence, to carry on Jesus' mission of transforming the world together, the people, the members who are part of this body, you and me, we must continually be transformed more into who God's created us to be. We must continually be transformed to be and look more like Christ. One of the vital elements to continually be transformed into who God's created us to be is to grow in our relationship with Jesus because Jesus is the only one who can transform our lives. And the cool thing is, is the more we're transformed, the more transformed we are to be and look like Christ, the more transformed we are to be into everything God's created us to be, the more we experience the life and hope and peace and joy and fulfillment that only God can give. The more we experience the fullness of God's presence, the more we experience things that can only be attributed to God happening in our lives. Every single person, if, you're a, if you've put your faith in Jesus, if you're truly a follower of Jesus, you want to grow in your relationship with Christ. And one of the reasons that we all want to grow, those of us who have, have put our faith in Jesus, that one of the reasons we want to grow in our relationship with Jesus is because we have an internal desire to see and experience all that stuff. 
the life that only God can give. We want to see and experience it in our lives, the fullness of God's presence in our lives. We want to see things happen in our lives that can only be attributed to God. Unfortunately, many of us are not. We see and we feel this gap between where we are and all the things we want to experience and all the things we want to see happen in our lives and all the ways we want us to see God work in our lives. And we're left asking why. And many people conclude it's because I'm not being fed. I'm not growing in my relationship with Jesus because I'm not being fed by who's responsible for feeding me. The church, of course. And some people get so frustrated that, with their ch- that the church isn't feeding them that they end up leaving their church. And they go, I, I want to be a part of a church where I'm being fed and that's not happening here. So I'm leaving to go find a church that will feed me. I mean, how many times have you heard people say, I'm just not being fed? How many times have you said it? Now all this leads to a couple questions. The first question is, how exactly do you want to be fed? Like what does that even mean? Does it mean you want more information? You want to be more mentally stimulated? You want to be more convicted or more spiritually challenged? You want more Bible passages read at you? You want more doctrinal dissertations? You want to learn bigger words? You want more and better classes? You want longer sermons? Like, most people don't even know what they mean when they say this. So if you've ever said this before, I just want to be fed, I encourage you to evaluate if you even know what you mean by that. The second question is, where did you get the idea that the church's job was to feed you? Where'd you get that idea from? Did you read that somewhere in the Bible? Were you told that by someone else that you just believed them? Are you just assuming it because someone else assumed it? Here's the reality. The thought, the idea, the statement, the phrase, the disposition that the church's job is to feed me so that I grow in my relationship with Jesus is what causes churches to become half paralyzed. It's what causes them to die. It's what causes them to suck. The thought that the church's job is to feed me so I grow in my relationship with Jesus will inevitably lead you to say, I'm not being fed. And you will become frustrated and you will leave whatever church you're a part of to go find another church that will feed you and you become frustrated again and you will leave that one and then you will leave the next one. The the, the thought that the church's job is to feed me so I grow in my relationship with Jesus will prevent you from growing in your relationship with Jesus. Because this is so important. It's not the church's job to feed you. The truth is, it's your responsibility. As a person who has put their faith in Jesus, as a person who has entered into a saving relationship with Jesus, as a person who says that they are a follower of Christ, as a a person who is a member of the body of Christ to grow in your relationship with Jesus, at least according to Jesus. So today I'm going to want to look at some words straight from, the, from Jesus' mouth in John 15 where he made this extraordinarily clear. And if you, if you don't know, John the, uh, chapters 13 through 17 records what took place of what we now call the Last Supper. This was the last meal that Jesus shared with his disciples, his 12 disciples, before he was arrested that night and ultimately unjustly crucified the next day. And right in the middle of this meal, Jesus talks about growing 
in a relationship with him. Now, you have to know, Jesus wasn't ultimately talking about them growing in a relationship with him in that moment. He knew he was going to physically die the next day. He was forecasting into the future after he rose from the grave and physically left this earth. Jesus knew he was not going to physically be on this earth for them or for us to grow in our relationship with him, but that that shouldn't stop, uh, stop them or us from actually literally growing in a relationship with him. So we're going to see Jesus saying that growing in a relationship with him, it's not some mystical, magical, unattainable, conceptual, religious, imaginary, best friend thing. It's a very real, literal, personal thing for you and for me today. And here's what Jesus says. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. And by the way, I imagine the 12 disciples sitting there going, geez, Louise, here we go again. Jesus using an, you know, some illustration that we got to figure out the meaning to. He just, Jesus did this all the time. Now, when Jesus said this, their immediate, the immediate image that came to their mind was of a grapevine, of, you know, grape, you know, think of a vineyard, a, you know, you have a vine that has a lot of branches attached to it that all the grapes grow on. And they knew, like we know, that the vine is what gives life to all the branches that are attached to the vine. And Jesus is saying, I am the vine. I am the true life giver to every branch. He goes on, he, and the he is referring to here is God the Father who is the gardener in this word picture. So he, Father God, cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. So what Jesus is doing is using an imperfect analogy to make a perfect point. And his point is that he is the vine, and those of us who are his followers, those of us who have entered into a saving relationship with him because we put our faith in him, we are the branches. Now that creates some tension. Because if you've ever gardened, you know that you cut off dead, unfruitful branches so the whole plant can remain healthy and the whole plant can grow. And you also prune every branch at some point so that it grows and becomes more fruitful. I mean, the only way to keep life growing and, you know, that, that flow, and life flowing into a, a branch requires cutting away anything that is dead. Now, Jesus used this word picture to teach them and teach us what our Heavenly Father's ultimate desire is for us. God's ultimately de ultimate desire for us is not simply for us to have more knowledge about him, know more facts about him, or understand doctrine better. His ultimate desire is to transform us into people who look and are more like Jesus so that the fruit of his love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, gentleness self-control is produced both in us and through us. No matter how well we know the Bible, no matter how many Greek or Hebrew words we know, no matter how deep our understanding of doctrine is, if fruit isn't being produced in us, then we are like dead branches. Because of that, God will go to great lengths to produce the fruit of transformation in us. And sometimes that comes in the form of cutting and pruning that is hard, painful, and uncomfortable for us. You know, one of the problems that I've heard many people who say they're followers of Christ have with God is, why does he allow bad things happen to me? Like, doesn't he love me? Like, why would God allow these things in my life? And you know why he would allow these things in our life? Because he loves us. Listen, no matter how long we follow Jesus, no matter how devoted we are to follow Jesus, our natural inclination, my natural inclination, yours is at times to do life on our own, to make other things our God, to submit and to surrender to other things, and therefore to not follow Jesus. And when we do that, the transforming work that God wants to do in our lives stops and we become like dead, unfruitful 
branches. God will allow pain and trouble and hardship in our lives because he knows they are powerful motivators to pivot us back to him. To say, I can't do this anymore. I surrender all to you. So we wonder why things happen to us and God's going, many times it's happening for you. Now, if you and I were there when Jesus said these words, you'd probably be thinking the same thing that his 12 disciples were. Like, okay, Jesus, why, why exactly are you telling us this? Is it, are we dead branches? Like, are you going to cut us off? Like, what does that even mean? Does that mean we're going to hell? Does that mean we don't have a saving relationship with you? And it's like Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he just responded before they had the opportunity to ask. He says, listen, you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. It's like he's saying, relax. This doesn't have to do with your eternity. It has to do with your experience today. Jesus is talking to people who already are in a saving relationship with him. He's talking to people who have been cleansed and forgiven for their violation of sin against Holy Creator God through their faith in him. Understanding what Jesus is saying here stems from understanding that. And I just want to just say real quick, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, you've never done that. You've never entered into that relationship, saving relationship with him. I invite you to do that today. Listen, God wants to transform your eternity. He wants to transform your life. And that begins by becoming a branch. That begins by becoming a member of the body of Christ. By entering into a saving relationship with Jesus through faith in Jesus. Asking Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins. Your savior. And the leader of your life. Your Lord. And so today, if at any point in time you're like, I feel like I should do that. I feel a prompting and a conviction. I should do that. I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end when I pray for you to put your faith in Jesus today. Now, what Jesus says next is so important for all of us who say that we are followers of Christ. He says this, remain in me. Remain in me, and I also remain in you, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And he's like, hey, in case you missed it, let me reiterate again. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. In short, here's what Jesus is saying. It's your responsibility to grow in your relationship with me by remaining in me. And here's the promise. Remain in me and I will fully remain in you to produce the fruit of transformation. But here's my warning. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from you growing in your relationship with me, you can't be transformed. Apart from you growing in your relationship with me, the fruit of transformation isn't going to be produced in your life. Uh, Apart from you growing in your relationship with me, you cannot and will not experience the life and hope and peace and joy and forgiveness and freedom that I can and want to give you today. It's your responsibility to grow in your relationship with me by remaining in me. And then Jesus says something that caught his 12 disciples' attention and should catch ours too. He says this, if you do not remain in me, if you stop taking responsibility to grow in your relationship with me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. His point being this, the fruit of transformation that is produced through growing in a relationship with him proves, proves that you and I are actually in a saving relationship with him. Now, some people read this passage and they're like, oh, crud, is Jesus talking about me losing my salvation? No. 
Once again, he's, talking, he, he's not talking about what can happen someday after we die. He's talking about what will happen today in our lives if we choose not to remain in him. It's as if he's, it's as if he's saying, anyone who enters into his saving relationship with me through faith in me, but stops growing in their relationship with me by not remaining, by not remaining in me becomes like a dead branch. And dead branches are worthless except to be used for firewood because they're lifeless. It's in short, it's as if Jesus is saying, don't become a dead branch. Don't become a dead body part. He's saying, if you do, you will stop experiencing the fullness of my presence and power and, and bearing the fruit of transformation. If you do, you'll start complaining about not being fed. He's saying it's your responsibility to grow in your relationship with me by remaining in me. Remain in me and I promise I will remain in you. I promise I will transform you. And look what else Jesus promises. If you remain in me and as a result my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, regardless of the amount of faith you have and how devoted you've been to Jesus in your life, how long you've been following Jesus, you probably have a hard time believing Jesus' words here. And the reason that we have a hard time believing Jesus' words is because of all the prayers that we prayed that have gone unanswered. And I just want to ask you a question. I don't know. You can answer it yourself. Is it possible? I don't know. Is it possible that our unanswered prayers are directly correlated to us not remaining in Christ? Is that possible? Because here's what I know that what the writers of Scriptures promise they promise that when we pray God's will, God will answer. When we pray God's will, God will answer. Is it, po- is it possible that when we pray, we're often praying our will, our wants, our desires, our interests, our worldview, instead of his and above his? Is it possible that that's the reason why so many of our prayers go unanswered? I don't know. Is that possible? We want God to answer our prayers, and evidently God wants to answer them too. The more we're transformed into who God's created us to be by growing in our relationship with Jesus, the more we then know and desire God's will. Therefore, the more we will actually pray God's will, and that's when Jesus promised he will answer our prayers. But let's be honest. Ultimately, this isn't about our prayers. And as we talked about over the last few weeks, ultimately this isn't about you. Ultimately, it's about God and his glory. Look what Jesus said. This is to my Father's glory, which, by the way, is our ultimate purpose as human beings because that's what creator God created us for, our Father's glory. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples or my followers. Bottom line, the fruit of transformation that's produced through in us, that's produced through growing in our relationship with Jesus, proves we are following Jesus By remaining in Jesus. He goes on. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Jesus is reiterating the point that faith in him, that following him, it's not a religious thing. It's a relationship thing. It's about growing in a love relationship with him. He says, if you, this is so huge, do not miss this word. I'm coming back to this word. Everything hinges on this word. If you keep. Not if you know. Not if you believe. If you keep. If you do 
do, do. If you do my commands, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I, as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. And then what Jesus says next is so cool. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. It's as if Jesus is saying, I know what you want. You want joy to the full regardless of the circumstances in your life and the situations in your life, regardless of what's going on around you. That type of joy can only come from me, the vine. And I want that for you. And I want to give it to you, my branches. When you're growing in your relationship with me, by remaining in me, I will. But remember, that's your responsibility. Now what I'm going to say next is going to make some of you really mad. And you got to know, I'm not saying this to make you mad. I'm saying this because I love you. And this is the God-honest truth. Many times when people say, I want to be fed, here's essentially what we're saying. I'm an infant who needs to be held and bottle-fed. The people who say it think they're mature. It's the only reason why they are saying it. But mature adults don't ask to be fed. Mature adults feed themselves. This is not a mature adult. Infants are the only one who need fed because they can't feed themselves. Well, infants and paralyzed people. Here's the other thing. When people say the church isn't feeding me, what they're really saying is it's the church's responsibility to grow my faith. It's the church's responsibility to grow my relationship with Jesus. But according to Jesus, it's your responsibility to grow your relationship. It's my responsibility to grow my relationship with Jesus. Just like if you're married, you're responsible for growing your marriage. It's your relationship. The church can provide tools to help, but no one else can do it for you and is not responsible for doing it for you because it's your marriage and your relationship. You can't outsource your faith to the church because you are responsible for it. And what do you even mean when you say the church isn't feeding me? Who or what are you referring to? The church is not some outside entity. You are the church. We are the church. So when you say the church isn't feeding me, what do you mean? All these people aren't feeding you? Do you mean that the pastor isn't feeding you? Is what you mean that you want me to coddle you? And bottle feed you? A person who has put, as a person who has put their faith in Jesus, as a person who has entered into a saving relationship with Jesus, as a person who is a follower of Christ, it's your responsibility to grow your relationship with Jesus. So kind of wrapping this all up and bringing this home. Relevant community church is the body of Christ. Every follower of Christ, every person who's put their faith in Jesus who says relevant community church is their church is a member of this body of Christ. Our body needs everybody to take extreme ownership of growing in their relationship with Jesus in order for us to live as the body of Christ.
For us to be a church that embodies Jesus' presence, that carries on Jesus' mission of transforming the world together, the people, the members, the branches of this body, you and me must continually be transformed more into who God created us to be, must continually be transformed to be and look like Christ. Growing in our relationship with Jesus is vital to continually be transformed because Jesus is the only one who transforms our lives. And listen, the more we're transformed to who God's created us to be as individuals, the more we experience the life that only God can give together. The more we experience the fullness of God's presence and power together, the more we experience things that can only be attributed to God happening in our body together, the more we experience God working powerfully in our body. We take extreme ownership of growing in our relationship with Jesus by remaining in Christ. And we remain in Christ by feeding ourselves solid food, by feeding ourselves the greatest food ever. <laughs> Didn't think I was coming back to that steak, did you? <laughs> Listen, if you're wanting to be bottle fed, you will never, ever, ever grow beyond infancy. To grow in a relationship with Jesus by remaining in him, we must feed ourselves the food, the solid food, the meat that will enable us to grow. And the meat that enables us to grow, to mature, are the truths, promises, principles, commands, and ways of God communicated through us to us through the writers of Scripture. But to feast on this steak, to feast on this steak... You got to pick up the fork and eat. You got to pick up the fork and eat. Because if you were to invite me over for dinner and to serve me steak, let me tell you what I wouldn't ask you to do is feed me. If I'm going to eat this steak, I got to pick up the fork and eat it. Here's another way to say it. To grow in your relationship with Jesus, you got to pick up the fork and eat. Our body needs everybody to take extreme ownership of growing in your relationship with Jesus by picking up the fork and eating. Our body needs everybody to take extreme ownership and be meat eaters instead of bottle suckers. Our body needs everybody to take extreme ownership in this way, not only so you can be more transformed in who God's created you to be, but so that we can be more transformed in who God's created us to be. So relevant. Come on, baby. Let's take extreme ownership. Now I want to give you, I want to close by giving you three practical ways to do this, that, to become a meat eater uh, so you can grow in your relationship with Jesus. They're very quick, very practical, but hopefully these are helpful. First of all, expose yourself to practical biblical teaching weekly. Listen, God didn't give us the Bible simply for our information. He gave it to us for our transformation. And, and uh, as I talked about all throughout the sermon, we're transformed by growing in our relationship with Jesus. To grow in our relationship with Jesus, we need to consistently be exposed to practical biblical teaching that inspires and empowers us to follow Jesus. At Relevant, both in our Sunday gatherings and our next-gen environments, we're committed to practical biblical teaching, to making faith practical, to teaching the Bible in a way that inspires and empowers people to follow Jesus, to actually... Here's that word again. Do. Do. 
Do what Jesus has commanded us, not just know what he has commanded us. Now, I know, we know, I can't, I can't feed you. I can't feed you. But we're committed to put this steak right in front of you and help to show you how to practically pick up the fork and eat it. But I can't help and we can't help if you're not here. We can't help your kids if they're not here. And we can't help your middle school and high school students if they're not here. So that's my challenge is make this a weekly practice to be here on Sundays and middle school students, be at Rooted and high school students, be at Youth United. Now, as you know, you can't eat just once a week and grow. No one can do that. You got to eat daily. So here's my second challenge of how to become a meat eater. Read the Bible daily. You want to eat daily, right? Some of you are like, no, I don't really want. You do eat daily, though. Pick up and read the Bible daily. You, you, listen, you can't pick up the fork and eat food that isn't right in front of you, so put the steak in front of you every single day. And some of you are like, well, I can't because I don't understand. Listen, do you know how anyone ends up understanding anything in Scripture? They picked it up and read it. Let me ask a question. How many people in this room went to Bible college? Cool, three of us, awesome. That means everyone else who knows anything about the Bible knows how to apply it did not go to Bible college, right? You know, this is not a Bible college thing. In order to ever, if you ever hope to understand it, you gotta pick it up and read it. That's, and you're like, well, I need some help. Cool, we have some classes to help. We have a class, this is blow your mind. We have a class called the Bible. I will give you a clue of what that class is about. We also have another class called Foundations of Faith that helps you know, teach different doctrines of faith and how to apply it to your life. Those would be very helpful classes if you're like, I don't understand. Where do I start and what do I do? Those are really good classes for you. Uh, you can sign up for them right now on the website or the app, along with all of our other classes. There's some great classes out there that help you. Take advantage of those. Now, here, guys, here's what's going to happen. If you do these two things, you, you do these two things to become a meat eater. You, you expose yourself to practical biblical teaching weekly, and you read the Bible daily. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to see already written. You don't even got to pray anymore about it. You're going to see already written things that Jesus is inviting you to do to follow him. And as you read, because this is the way God's spirit works, you know, he says that the word of God is alive and active. God works. When we read his, his word, he works through it. You're going to start to become convicted of some things and inspired of some things of like, I should do that. I should step into that. And when that happens, when you see it do or when you feel inspired or convicted, here's, what, here's, what, here's how you become a meat eater. You apply immediately. You apply immediately. Jesus did not teach for information. He taught for application. He wasn't satisfied just saying what was true. He wanted his followers to act on, to do what they heard because application makes all the difference. I mean, you just look at the most famous sermon that Jesus ever gave called the Sermon on the Mount, recorded in Matthew 5 to 7. At the end of it, Jesus goes, hey, before I close out, I just want to let you know that everyone who applies everything that I just get done preaching is like a wise man who builds their house on the rock. And so when the storms of life come, you're gonna, you're, you're, your house is going to remain strong and your faith is going to remain strong and you're not going to be toppled over. But for all of you who heard and maybe even believe and now you know, but don't apply what I just talked about, you're like a fool who builds their house on the sand. And so when the storms of life come, your faith comes crashing down. And your relationship with me comes crashing down. And your life comes crashing down. 
Once again, the meat that enables us to grow in our relationship with Jesus, to mature, are the truths, the promises, the principles, the commands, the ways of God communicated to us through the writers of Scripture. This steak can't be fed to you. It can only be put in front of you. You got to pick up the fork and eat. And how you pick up the fork and eat is through application. Application is how you feed yourself. It's how you are fed. It's how you remain in Christ. It's how you trust and obey. It's how you follow Jesus. We don't follow Jesus by hearing things and doing nothing with it. By knowing things and doing nothing with it. You know how we follow Jesus? Going, oh, that's where you're leading. I follow you. That's what you'd like me to do. I follow you. This is what you're calling me into. I follow you one next step at a time. Here's the deal. Every time we choose not to apply, we're choosing not to eat. And when you choose not to eat, you start going hungry and you choose not to eat long enough and you start starving. And that's when you start saying things like, I want to be fed. And I'm not being fed. And that phrase, I'm not being fed, guys, so often proves we're not eating because we're not applying. We may have all this stuff, but we're not even applying the things that Jesus already said. Go, what else do you want me to, what else do you want to know? What would you do with more information? You're not applying even the basics of loving one another the way I first loved you, and you want to know something deeper? You want to know something more? It don't get deeper than that. Jesus cares about us following him. And when we choose not to follow him by not applying, we're choosing not to eat, we're choosing not to pick up this fork, and nothing will satisfy us. No amount of information is going to satisfy you. No amount of knowledge is going to satisfy you. Nothing is going to fill you up. You won't grow and you won't mature. You'll remain an immature infant if you don't pick up the fork and eat through application. I know many people who've been following Jesus, who have been followers of Jesus forever, and they're still infants because they're not growing in their relationship with Jesus. They may know a lot of the Bible, and they may come tell me every week all the things that I don't say perfectly right about the Bible. But I'm like, you don't look more like Jesus because you ain't growing, because you ain't applying. And it blows my mind, guys, how many times that we'll listen to a sermon and read something in the Bible and we'll walk out and go, I ain't gonna do that. And that's what it's like. Throwing the fork on the ground. We grow in our relationship with Jesus by picking up the fork and eating. So here's my question, relevant. come on. Are you taking extreme ownership of growing in your relationship with Jesus? If not, how do you need to pick up the fork and eat? Can you imagine if we all did that? Can you imagine if 100% of us chose to take extreme ownership of growing in our relationship with Jesus? If we all did, all, all the members of the body of Christ did, chose to take extreme ownership of, of remaining in Christ, we would in turn be remaining in him together. And in turn, we'd experience and see the transforming benefits of him remaining in us together in a way that we couldn't even begin to comprehend. And guys, let's be honest. That's the type of church we all want to be a part of. Let me pray for us. Dear Lord, if there's anyone... Uh, right now who, you know, we talked about putting our faith in you. We've never done that before. Right now where they are, 
If they feel like this is the day, I pray they choose to do that. That right now at their, on their couch at home or in this room, Lord, they just declare their need for a Savior because of their violation of sin against you. They declare their faith, Jesus, that you are that Savior because of your death and ultimately your resurrection. And right now, where they're at, they ask you to be the forgiver of their sins, their Savior. And they ask you to be the leader of their life, their Lord, their God. Lord, I pray that all of us choose to just take responsibility for growing our relationship with you. Why would we not want to? God, I want to have the greatest relationship with you I can have. I pray I take more of extreme ownership of growing in that. That we choose to do it by following you, Jesus, and remaining in you of what you've called us into. No matter what, through it, I pray that you produce the fruit of transformation in a way that blows our mind in our lives and in our church. pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.